The impacts of my why I see it around me all the time though these days. And I didn't have the words for it before because I've I've always worked with helping others, like I said, but I've always done mentoring. And so I've gotten the comment lots of times where people say to me, well, the way that you connect with others, the empathy that you have, how you are so focused on understanding yourself and relating to others, they find that inspiring. And I never, never went near that. For me, it felt too, um, too showy, if that could be. Like, it, it felt like I was taking too much, too much space. So I, I never kind of embraced it. But now when I look at it and I attribute it to my purpose and when I'm helping others connect to possibility, that's what I'm doing. That inspiration is them connecting to possibility. And so that fear that I used to hold over myself of don't take too much space and don't be too much of like, it's not about you. I let it go. That judgment that I have on myself of saying, okay, doing this helps them. It helps them connect to themselves. It helps them open doors. It helps them discover paths where they once thought it was impossible. And so I've kind of let go of that judgment. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. Welcome to this week's Pursuit of Purpose. My guest today is Melissa Cicciola. And Melissa and I connected on LinkedIn, oh, about maybe six weeks ago. I don't recall how we ended up getting connected. However, she did invite me to a really fabulous online, online conference that I'm kicking myself for not uh, participating in live called Wired. And so after the fact, Melissa and I started chatting a little bit more and we found our common bond in being start with why and Simon Sinek. So I invited Melissa on today to talk a little bit about what it has meant for her to have found her why and share a little bit about her journey in getting there. Thank you, Melissa, for being on the show. And if you wouldn't mind just telling my guests a little bit about yourself and what you do, and then we'll dive right into the conversation of finding your why. That sounds perfect. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so excited to be here because that's it. It hasn't been long that we've known each other, but instant connection and we get agree on so many things and we see um, a lot of commonalities. And so I'm super happy to be able to, to be here and talk about my journey to my why. So a little bit about me. Um, I live in Montreal, Quebec in Canada. I'm, I'm a consultant for Promethe Consultants, and I get to work with clients uh, and leaders who are in organizations that mainly have call centers. I have a deep-seated passion for them, which sounds really strange because when I talk to people and they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, well, I work with call centers and I'm super excited. And they're like, that sounds really depressing because you imagine a call center to be this dark, boring, monotonous, entry-level kind of job. And I see it as these environments where you have all kinds of creative people who care about people and you're building relationships and building connections all the time. So I get to work in that every day, working with the different organizations who have those call centers. I have 
three children who keep me very busy and uh, on my toes. And I love to talk to people and, and help them accompany them on their own journeys as they, as they go through things. So I do a lot of mentoring and, and connecting with people, coffee chats, that kind of thing. And you know, Melissa, when people do hear the words call center, it really does have a bad rap. I mean, <laughs> you immediately just have this vision of frustration and annoyance and spending lots of time on hold, waiting, oh, yes. waiting, waiting for someone to finally answer and then feeling like you're going to get bounced from here to there. So I would imagine that having your, your purpose and your passion for call centers and making them be the heart of an organization. I think I saw that you wrote that somewhere. Yes. That that yes. makes a huge difference in so, how the people in the call centers respond. It does. My why is to connect people to possibility so that we build a more courageous world and lay the foundations of growth and innovation. My vision of the world with call centers is that they are these places where you know, you can create relationships where you can bring innovation, where it's not controlled by the second and me measured down to the minute. It's places where they can be environments where people are really able to find their own purpose and live in it every day because there's so much of everything that exists there. And when I connect with people who work in them, I'm able to have this perspective because I've worked in, I've worked in call centers my whole career. And I started out being an agent on the phone and I've been in like the support roles and I've been a manager and I've been like the frontline manager and then I've been a director and, and I've worn all these different hats. And so I'm able to connect right away with where they are and I understand the reality and I understand the, the monotonous like routine of it and there's a different way of doing things. And, and so my passion for finding those possibilities in my why connects to that every day. And I feel like when people, when I explain to them what I do, I have like a double strike because first of all, I tell them I work with call centers and then I tell them I'm a consultant. <laughs> and right away, it, it like I get like a double strike against me because they're like, oh, a consultant. Okay. Because people have this image when they think of consultants as kind of just you know, that every second counts, I'm the expert and I'm going to, I know the best way and I'm going to kind of push that mentality on you. And I'm so not like that. And where I work here at Promethe Consultants is we don't have that mentality. And so the biggest compliment we get is from our clients when they tell us, you're like, you're not the typical consultant because our, our goal is to build that relationship. It's to create that feeling. Like when we define our, our strategy for the company is what's the emotion we want our clients to live? How are we going to accompany them through each part of the process of working with us? And what is our promise to them? And so we have that. And then we work with the call centers, which is that, like you said, that routine, that environment that doesn't sound super popular. And I bring like all kinds of creativity into it. And so it's totally different than what normally you would imagine when I make that introduction. And so the best part is like, after I made that introduction, people's like reaction is we always get into a conversation of, well, what does it really look like for me every day? And how much fun is it actually in my day to day? I bet. So Melissa, tell me a little bit about what started you down the path of finding your why. What was the catalyst that made you realize that something was missing or was off or that you needed to become a little bit more in touch with that deeper rooted purpose that we all have, but we often don't recognize or understand even how to harness it. So I would say the 
the moment that changed for me was when I went into my first leadership role and I understood that I need to learn more about myself. If I'm going to lead people, I need to understand more about myself and I need to have a better understanding of who am I <laughs> at the end of the day. Like that's, that's the hardest part is who am I? And then understanding, okay, well, what can I do? Like, what are my strengths and what are, what am I good at? And, and how can I lead these people? I went from being like the expert and I know what I'm doing. And I've been doing this for many years to having a conversation where my boss's boss sat me down and said, Melissa, I'm not hiring you for the job you apply for because I think you should be a leader instead. And I said, yeah, no, why would I want to manage people? <laughs> it was like this reality check for me saying, look, never, never had I imagined it. And he invited me to think on it and to think on it, to think on it. And that's when I started asking myself these questions. Well, what does that mean? And how can I do that? And I have this passion for people and I have this passion to help people. And that's what I've always done in any job that I've had before is I always view myself in service to others. So when he proposed the idea, it turned and it turned and it turned. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I can do this. I was very nervous though, because I never did things that pushed me out of my comfort zone at that point. I never wanted to step into a role that was more in the spotlight. I was very afraid to do that. I didn't want to garner any extra attention. And so what I did is I did a lot of research. That's what I do when I'm unsure about something. I start looking online. Google and I were buddies and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm online and I'm, I'm looking up what I can do. And so I started searching online. Okay, well, leadership, like leadership today. How do I lead people? <laughs> like, what is it? How do I do this job that he's convinced that I can do and I don't see it? It's always interesting how people can see in us what we can't see in ourselves. Oh my gosh, it was eye-opening to the point where like at one point we had a conversation because he became a mentor and he said to me, he's like, well, what have you got to lose to like try it out? And the perfect position came up in that it was a temporary position. So if I didn't like it, I could go back to my old role. And if I liked it and they wanted to keep me, then I could. So I said, okay, this is like best case scenario. I can really try it out and see if I liked it. And two weeks after starting the job, I sent him a message and I was like, you are so right. I love it. It was like nothing I had ever done before. And so when I was doing all that research, I stumbled across Simon Sinek for the first time. His way of speaking and his mentality of what leadership is and what it can be and how we can actually create these environments around us where people can feel safe and fulfilled, like that connected to my inner voice where I all around me, I've always wanted to say, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm showing up in service to others. And so he gave me the words to explain that. At the same time, I stumbled on Brene Brown. I found that her works gave me the actual how-tos in, in when I'm in those difficult situations, when it's dicey for me to say, do I have the guts to actually stand up and do this? Like she gave me the, the tools I needed to do that. And so he had like the vision and the mentality, and then she brought to me like the tools. And so together, they're my, my guideposts that I use all the time. It's a powerful combination. I use them often myself, both of them. And, you know, as you were talking about you leaning into this leadership role, Simon's quote of people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, yeah. kept surfacing in my brain of you were on the mission to find out, to be able to answer that why. Because why should somebody want to follow you as a leader if you don't understand yourself why you should be the leader? That's it. And, and when you have that buy-in, 
it becomes so much more clear. I did the same thing when I started my consulting work. I was faced with writing my website copy and I was like, well, now I have to convince somebody to work with me and I've never had to do that before. So uh-huh. why would they want to work with me? And that's how I found Simon Sinek. Yeah. So it's similar situations in that it's that understanding of, of our whys. What happened though is that I got so pulled into this role in that I, I kept going back to Simon and Brene, but I never did the journey at that time to understand my why. And I said, okay, I'm going to get to this eventually. It's going to happen one day. You know, we, we put it on the shelf and we say, this, I want to do this. And it stayed kind of surface for me. I kept digging in and I kept putting new things, but I was in such a learning curve in my new role that I didn't prioritize it. What happened though, is that I, as I kept going and I kept evolving through my career, I really felt like I was in my place. Like the, it was me every day. And I got to show up as myself. And I was in a, a team that was, you know, when you work with the team that everything is like, you're super complimentary and everybody is going towards like the same goal and you have total trust and complete faith in, in them. There's this sense of like flow all the time that exists yeah. within the team dynamic. Oh, it's magic. And that's the kind of team that I was a part of with other leaders at the same time. And it was really a beautiful experience. It's such a difference that you can distinguish it. When you're in it, you can recognize it right away. It's happened twice in my career and I can always go back to those moments of what that felt like. One of the things that our leader at the time was really big on is he wanted us to better understand ourselves. For him, it was really important that we do the work as leaders to better understand ourselves so that we can grow. Our development plans were a huge priority. Learning who we are, we did our Gallup tests for our strengths test, mm-hmm. and this like fused the team even better. We were better able to understand what are my strengths and what are yours? And this helped me so much to keep evolving within the organization and growing. I have to say that until one day, it kind of stopped. <laughs> and Unfortunately, that does when, seem to happen too. It does. Life catches up with us, uh, I would say. And I, um, one day I, I was able to put down and say that I was living a situation of psychological harassment. This pushed me to the point of a total burnout. So my doctor diagnosed me with anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, and burnout all simultaneously. Wow. I was at the point where I was going into work every day, crying my eyes out, like just convincing myself from the moment I woke up until I was in the like building was, I need to just convince myself to do this. I can do this. I am just going to push through. I'm strong enough. I am capable of doing this. Nothing can stop me from just doing this. I'm at my best self. This was the, the, the mentality that I kept telling myself, like just the words repeating it over and over. And eventually I couldn't anymore. I'm sure you just, couldn't. You can't sustain that type of stress and anxiety. It, it, it's going to sneak up on you and bite you in a pretty significant way, I would imagine. I mean, I know it did, yeah. it did for me. In, I, don't, I don't think that what I dealt with was probably as significant as yours because I, didn't, I don't have that kind of a diagnosis with me. But I can relate with what you're saying about a work environment being really, really good, really good, really good, and then just one day it's not then you start to feel that stress and anxiety and the dread of of going into work. And yeah, I can relate with that. It was to the point that it was, it was almost terrifying. What was going to happen today? And a friend of mine told me one day on the phone, she said, I can't keep helping you like pick you up every night so that you can rebuild yourself to go in the next morning and keep living. And that for me was like a wake up call. Uh, Yeah, I bet it was. 
okay, something's not right here. <laughs> I thought it wasn't, but you tell yourself that it's in your head because, because that's what happens. That's what the psychological harassment is, is that you're made to believe that it's you. It's all you, that it's just you all the time. That it's, is the entire problem and it's in your head and you're imagining it and it's not you. It's not them. It's, it's you. And that was really destabilizing because I had gone from, like you said, like this amazing, like, hi, everything's going great. And then the reality was something's changed. And, and I found myself in with different people in a different group. And it was, oh, no, 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 this doesn't work. I asked, like, I spoke up about it and it didn't change. <laughs> right. And that's, it, it played into the, into the reality of what I was living. And what, what ended up saving me is that I had planned a, a vacation and I went off on vacation. I planned a vacation without my kids. Mm -hmm. um, it's my, it's my, mommy, my mommy mentality is that mommy needs to be in a good frame of mind. And, and every year I plan a trip without them. I went to England and I visited a family that I have there. And it, while I was there, it gave me that distance to start to realize what I had been living, how abnormal it was and how not okay it was. When I would just be there and walking, walking through museums and just start crying because it made something made me think of something that had happened previously. That's not normal. That's not okay. There's something that's like a red flag. Right. And my doctors tell me that that vacation saved my life probably. Wow. Because well, I'm glad that you me, went on that vacation. Because it pulled me, it forced me out of the situation. Did you hesitate to go on that vacation given the circumstances of where you were at? I mean, was there a thought in your mind of, you know, maybe I shouldn't be going, maybe I need to try and focus and stay correct what's going on here? Or was it just, I need to have a oh, break? I did. I thought about that a lot. Um, I hesitated to book it. I actually reserved it last minute, even though the dates had been planned off. And I kept telling myself, well, maybe I, I shouldn't go. Maybe I should wait. Maybe, maybe things are going to change. Maybe I can do something better. <laughs> and I kept, because it's me, right? The mentality is it's me. I'm the problem here. There's, yeah. there's, so I kept saying, okay, I can change this and I can do that. But no matter what I did, it was never okay. If I got told, oh, you're, you're too, you spoke up too much. And then the next time I said nothing, I would just get, well, you say nothing. What dance what what do you want me to do? <laughs> That's it. So what foot do I dance on to like exactly. please you so that I am okay? That's when I realized that I needed, to, I needed the vacation because I couldn't keep doing this because I, no matter what I was trying, I was able to have enough of that, that rational perspective to say, but well, no matter what I'm doing, nothing's working. So maybe some time away will help me see what it is that I can change so that I can be better and that I, I can stop living this. And that's the mentality that I went into with my vacation is that I'm going to relax and it's going to give me that clarity. And it didn't. <laughs> it made, well, actually, no, it did. If you think about it, it gave me that clarity. And I said to myself, I needed, I needed to save myself. Yeah. So what was your next step after that? I was surrounded by amazing people. I was very lucky. I had a great team of doctors <laughs> that, that I worked with and specialists in psychology, family, the kids. Uh, the kids were aware that not all was right with, with mom. Like they knew that I have a lot of close family that lives close by and have a great network of friends that they knew what I was living. They knew, they didn't know the full extent, but they knew things weren't right. And they wanted to do everything they could to help get me back because the, the Melissa afterwards is she closed up. She was terrified. And it was such a far, far distance. It was like a 180 from who I was before. This happy, energetic, creative person in service to others every day. 
And now I was just this like shell. I was afraid of people. I was absolutely terrified of that. My doctor had to like bring me into exercises where I would put myself in situations where I could be close to people again, where I could just talk to a stranger because I was terrified of it. What could possibly happen? Like if this could happen with people I knew, what would happen with a stranger? Right. These are the things that play in your head. And so part of the therapy was start watching videos because I couldn't read and reading is something that I've loved. And so in this process is your brain plays tricks on you and that you, you can't, I couldn't read. I couldn't be focused enough because my brain was always in that fight or flight mentality. Okay. So it, I couldn't read. I couldn't focus long enough. I'd reread the same line over and over again because I couldn't absorb it. And I'm an avid reader. I love books. I've always loved books. So what happened is they said, well, why don't you start watching videos? This might be like, it's a more passive way to kind of absorb information and it might be easier. And so I did. And what I found myself doing is I was watching Simon and Brene all over again, because this all of a sudden, it reminded me of why I fell into what I was doing, what it is I loved about what I was doing, the environments that I was working in, the people that I was helping, my teams, it connected me back to that feeling but I could do it on my terms. So I could just turn the video off if it started to be too much. And I started to build up again that, that confidence and the therapy helped and the doctors helped and everything started to get better. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> the lovely pandemic. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, the, the pandemic hit. And I realized, well, I ended up with my kids at home all the time. Yep. And I was like, okay, how am I going to like, get better. Like I was starting to get better at this point and I was looking into possibilities. What am I going to do next? What is it that I love to do? Do I want to go back? Do I want to do something else? What is, what is it that I want to do? So Simon Sinek online on LinkedIn, I, I love LinkedIn. And I saw online that he posted that they were going to be offering online classes. And the first class I saw was find your why. Well, you know, that thing I put on that shelf all those years ago, I'm going back to it. I'm going to figure this out. Yep. There was and your sign, right? It was my sign. It was that aha moment. Like, this is what I need. And so for me, it was part of, part of my process of, of healing. And I did the class. I did the office hours. I refined my why. I did the live your why class, the first prototype that they offered. Like, how do you live your why? And that's when I realized I was in the live your why class because I was so happy to find the words. I was so proud. It connected, it resonated so deeply inside of me to be able to say those words. Like I connect people to possibility so that we can build a more courageous world and lay the foundations of growth and innovation. When I wrote that, it was, this is, this is me. This is everything I've ever done correlates to this. I can tie it all together. Right. So you, you really felt that visceral impact of those words, because that's one of the things that, that Simon says in his books, is that when you, are, when you find those right words, the words yeah. that really embody what your why is and stands for, you will feel it throughout your whole body. And, and I could see that as you were saying those words and talking about that experience, I could see that it still yeah. just brings such joy and such emotion to you to know those words. It does. And that's it. It's, it's the power it gives me to connect to myself. This is why I'm here. This is what I want to do every single day. If there's a day that goes by when I don't feel that I've connected to that in some way, I can tell because I, I'm like, I'm dragging myself a bit. The energy's not there. And 
when I'm living in it, then it's totally different. It, it's, it's exciting and you just feel it. There's something, I said, there's something in the air, like there's this energy that kind of exists. So when I run workshops, that's what I feel with people because I have that connection. I feel like everything's in motion and there's this like sense of flow. Everything's just being like, you know, I've equated to like, you know, the leader of the orchestra. Yep. That's kind of how it comes together. And all the pieces are just moving around, but it's all happening and it's, it's beautiful to see it. And so when I'm living in that, when I'm working in that, that's how it feels all the time. It's thrilling. It's really absolutely thrilling. Yeah. As you come down off of this euphoria, let me, let me read something to you that I actually shared this morning on LinkedIn. It's a short little poem from Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it's one that he he used to. I don't think he still does. He would post a good morning and a good night tweet at the beginning and ending of every day, and they were always interconnected. I did not write down the date of when he shared this particular one, but what you were just saying reminds me of this. It's good morning, the rhythm of the thing, the right notes in the right order, the way the words sit on the notes, the way the notes sit on the chords, the way it all tells a story. It all begins when you start making noise. Wow, that's beautiful. But doesn't that just reflect exactly what you were just saying about how your combination of words that make up your why, that when you are living those things, you are the conductor creating that space for those things to happen. Those are the right notes in the right order, in the right place, brought together to make noise. It's completely, you're totally right. Absolutely. Because, and that's what it is. It's the power of those words kind of unleashed in me. It set me off on this, this path that I never would have dared to take before. Right. So tell me what that path is. Where did it send you? It sent me, it sent me to live your why. <laughs> so it sent you to the next logical class to take. Okay. That's it. So step one is sent me to live your why. But it was in live your why that I, uh, one of the exercises that we did is that we had to evaluate according to like our sphere in our life. And so you have family, health, uh, spirituality, career, all these different axes of, of your life. Right. And they said, evaluate where you are today. Because as a, just as an, an aside, your why impacts all of those. It's not Absolutely. just a singular why for your business and something different for your personal life and something different for why you're spiritual. It's all encompassing. It is because your why is your, your fundamental it's who you are at its very base. And when you do the exercises to find your why, that's what it is. You have to tell stories from different moments, impactful moments throughout your life. And they bring you back to these key moments in, in your history. And that's how you pull your why from that. It's because of how, what you've lived that helps you build your why. And so when you live your why, it affects every axis of your life. And so when I evaluated myself, I thought, okay, going into this, this is going to be fabulous. I've just discovered my why. I love it. I connect to it. This is me. This is who I am. But then when I had to look at it in the context of, am I living it? Uh, no, no. And those, those color grids did not go very far up the, up the path to say, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's attained. I, I feel like it's like a 10 here. No, we were, we were very far from it. 
And one of the tools that we got was how do we build, what's, what's my goals for each of these axes? How do I want to like embrace it? How do I want to be intentional in living my why? And that's the thing I have to do with intention, even though those words are fundamentally who I am. I've been living for 37 years, not like that. So I haven't, I've been living with this mentality of who I should be instead of who I am. And that was a real wake up call for me because I said, okay, on each of these axes, I, I have control over these. I can do things to implicate my why in all of them completely. And so I laid out my plan for each of them. And so you had the five-year plan, so the big, big dream, this is the goal, this is what I want to accomplish. And then, okay, how do I do it in one year? Where do I want to be on this? And then in the next few months, where do I want to be? And so I broke it down into little pieces. And that's how I ended up at Wired <laughs> because I put it on my five-year goal. In five years, I'll start looking into this. And in reality, what happened is that moment of finding my why and the journey and the decision I took to say, I'm going to live my why, put me into connection with other people who were hosting Wired and who asked me to come and speak there. And, but if I hadn't done that, I never would have ended up there. Right. So when we talk about living with intention, it's because you never know like I put it out there. This is what I want to do. And then as every decision I take going forward starts to kind of manifest and saying, well, does this bring me closer to my goal or does it not? Does this me living myself or is it me living the version that I thought I should be? And when I take these decisions, that's what advances me closer and closer every time to more of those goals that I've put. And it helps me to embrace living my why. So how it's changed my life is that it's made me intentional. It's made me more purposeful in what I do. I'm more conscious of the decisions I'm taking. What do I want to give my energy to? What gives me energy to begin right. with? Right. And that's the learning curve that I've been in. Has it helped put some boundaries around your decision-making process? If you're faced with, a, with an opportunity, if you're holding it up against your why statement and how does it fit? Do you feel that it's giving you that kind of space of knowing here's my lane, here's where I want to stay, and oh, this might be moving me a little bit too far one direction or another. So it kind of gives you, maybe boundaries are too rigid of a word, but more like bumpers of, you know, that kind of holds you, holds you true to where you need to be, but allows you to sway a little. Completely, because you never know also, like you have these pre-decided like decisions in your head of, oh, this is me and this is not me. Just like, I'm not a leader, but I am. I look at them as, as uh, guideposts and that's it. So they, they keep me like guided on, on a path of intention and purpose and clarity. So nowadays what happens is when I, when I look at a situation is yes, I, I will evaluate. Okay. If I do this, am I being true to myself? Am I respecting myself? Am I aligned with who I am? And it's caused me to, t- to say no sometimes to things. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm settled and I'm at peace. When I look at, okay, after why, I said, okay, this was great. I, I lived my why. Well, one of those things that I needed to identify was my career because I've always been very connected to what I do used to be who I was. It took a large place in my life. Yep. I think, I don't think you're alone in that, especially in women. I think we tend to assign our identity to our profession in ways that are much deeper rooted than what men do. I would completely agree with you because I I can't exactly phrase the why of that, (laughs) but 
I, I see it over and over again with the mentoring that I do because I mentor other women who are like at different points in their career who are learning to understand who they are and how to like be more intentional and live their purpose and, and understand themselves. So I see this over and over again. And I've seen it with my own mentors because I have male mentors and female and they serve different purposes in my development, but I can, I can identify that there is that difference. Absolutely. So I told myself, okay, well, first of all, I have to stop being my career. <laughs> that's, that's important for me. I need to find some sort of balance. And so if I'm going to like make sure that all of those pieces of the pie in, in my live my why are satisfied, I, I have to have that balance. And then I said to myself, okay, well, what do I want to do? And it, it happened that a very good friend of mine that I used to work with previously had started up a company doing consulting, probably uh-huh. consultants, and he was ready to, to hire. So to, ready to grow. We had kept in touch and we'd had a few coffee chats here and there. And I knew the project really well. It's an aspiration that he has is to create environments where people can be their best selves. So that's his why. And the sense and the purpose and the mission that he has with the company was really aligned with my own whys and and my own ambition. And so he was going through this process where he's saying, okay, we're going to scale the company. We're going to grow. We're going to, it's going to have like the launch of what is our mission? What is all of this? Because it was initially he was building it and he was putting all that foundation work. And so I arrived and I got to join it at a point where all of this was coming to pass and we were putting the words to it and we were creating it. And so I got to participate in the process. My creative side was overwhelmed with joy. Very exciting <laughs> um, opportunity. Yeah, definitely. It, it is. And so the clients, and then, then that's the other thing is I get to work with clients. So we, we talked about what I'm going to do and I got to help design the role that I'm playing today. And I was very intentional about that. What is the role I want to play? How can I best serve others again? And so when I looked at it, I said, okay, I'm not leading my own team anymore. So that, that was a decision I had to take. I identified a lot with being a leader. And I said, well, what's going to happen if I, if I don't have a team? And I remembered, I went back to Simon's work again. And then it's not about the title. It's not about having the role of being the, the leader. It's what I do every day. It's how I make that work. Right. So I said, okay, I'm, that doesn't change. Like leading a team doesn't change whether I'm a leader or not. And so I reconciled that within myself. And then I went on and said, okay, well, how can I, how can I do this? And so the work that I do now is I work with leadership teams in the call center. So the environment that I love, that I have this passionate belief that they can be other than how they are today. And I help them create those environments where their employees can feel like they can grow and develop and be their best selves. It's the mission of the company. It's aligned with my why. And this is what I get to do every day. Very exciting. It doesn't feel real some days. I actually said to him at one point, are you really paying me to do this? Because I, I would do this for free. <laughs> like, well, we could arrange. And then, no, no, no. I changed yeah, my mind. No, no. I retract that statement. <laughs> yeah. And, and so now I've, I've woven it into other areas of my life. So like I said, the career is not the only aspect. With my kids, how do I talk to them and relate my why to them? And so when I tell them things all the time, they're hilarious because they're seven, 10, and 12. So they're, they're still young. Mm-hmm. And we're frustrated doing homework, let's say. And I tell them, he's like, oh, I can't understand this. It's too hard. And, and my mentality is like, it's possible. Like anything's possible. And I say that. And so my youngest, Jackson, he looks at me and he's like, well, no, mommy, because we can't fly. So not, not everything is possible. 
Ah, but there's airplanes. But that's what I said. I'm like, but we created airplanes so that we can fly. I'm like, just because you can't do it yourself doesn't mean there's not a way to find a way to make it possible. And so I bring that mentality to them of we can find a path forward. There's always that place to find a possibility. And it's changed the way that I parent with them. Because before I would get frustrated and it was, well, why don't they see this this way? But that understanding of myself, the understanding of my why, the understanding that their whys are going to be different from my whys and their strengths and their talents, they're all unique. They're all special. It, that's what helps kind of navigate through this now. And now exactly. it's, it's an asset instead of a, oh, sometimes can you guys just listen, please? <laughs> exactly. You know, as, as you were describing both of those scenarios, I was thinking back to in Start With Why, Simon talks about about the value of knowing what the the vision is, the long, you know, the bigger vision of an organization or of a business or of of an individual, and that that person can't do it all. They have to be able to bring the right people in to surround them that support and align with their vision, but bring their own strengths and their own purpose to the table to help further that mission forward. And the description of of your role as it supports your boss's vision of the company that he's working to build and how you are going to influence that reminded me of that story or that example with Martin Luther King very much. I mean, it was, it was just strip out the names, bring in different, you know, different names and a different vision, but it's the same thing. I mean, and I have a story that I recount a lot related to a physician that I had an opportunity to work with for a long time. And I see the same thing with him of how he built his team and how it's helped him be able to move forward. And it's so fascinating for me to be able to see people and hear people recount that in a way that I'm like, oh, there's the dots. This is how this is all interwoven and successful. Yeah. And so that those connections, I see that because you're right. I fit in here and I support the mission of, of Promethe to do that, to, 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 to create that in, in organizations. But when I'm in the organization, when I'm working as the consultant with the team, I'm doing that too, because exactly. I'm leading that project, I'm leading that initiative, and all those different people are coming around the table with their own strengths, with their own uniqueness, with their own whys, to support that greater vision, because yep. the team believes that it can be different. The team mm-hmm. believes that the operations, operations get this bad rap of, well, it's operations, everybody gets it has to run, but it can be done in a way where the environment is different in that people are developed, people grow, and people are able to kind of contribute in different right. ways than they're being asked to contribute now. It all fits in, like you said, like it's like this puzzle that all the pieces are coming together and they just fit. Exactly. And it will be exciting to see how your why influences your children as they grow. With them being as young as what they are, you're going to see glimmers of that as they're growing, but you will really see it, I think. Maybe I'm completely off base with this, but I think you will really see that flourish when they hit like that 18, 19, 20, that age range. You'll you'll see so many of your influences coming out in them in ways that support their own unique vision of the world and their and them finding their space and their purpose within it. That's really exciting. I'm excited to see it. You may not see the fruits of that influence as easily or as quickly as what you do in a business situation. You're right. Because they're at such a, a growth sponge time in their own lives right now that 
and they're learning their own way. They're testing their own kind yep. of boundaries and their own autonomy. Yep. Uh, so I, I do see that you're right. It's going to happen a bit later on. The impacts of my why I see it around me all the time though, these days. And I didn't have the words for it before because I've, I've always worked with helping others, like I said, but I've always done mentoring. And so I've gotten the comment lots of times where people say to me, well, the way that you connect with others, the empathy that you have, how you are so focused on understanding yourself and relating to others, they find that inspiring. And I never, never went near that. For me, it felt too, um, too showy, if that could be. Like, it felt like I was taking too much, too much space. So I, I never kind of embraced it. But now when I look at it and I attribute it to my purpose and when I'm helping others connect to possibility, that's what I'm doing. That inspiration is them connecting to possibility. And so that fear that I used to hold over myself of don't take too much space and don't be too much of like, it's not about you. I let it go. That judgment that I have on myself of saying, okay, doing this helps them. It helps them connect to themselves. It helps them open doors. It helps them discover paths where they once thought it was impossible. And so I've kind of let go of that judgment. All this to say, it's not always easy. <laughs> no, no. Defining your purpose your passion, your why, whatever word you want to attach to it is not an easy journey and you won't get it right the first time. I can attest to that. I think that there's even room for me to, to nuance where I'm at. I mean, I, I've had the same visceral response to what my words are too, but, but I do feel like maybe there's an additional level of depth that could be achieved with what I'm doing or with my purpose that, that I haven't uncovered yet. I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned. Awesome. Maybe I'll <laughs> dig into that a little bit further. But you're right. It is. It's a lot of hard work, but it is so rewarding when you find it. It is. I realized actually last week I've made a post on LinkedIn where I was talking about how I'm coming off of like October for me was this huge busy month. I've never done more new things that connected to my purpose than I have ever done together in one short condensed period of time. And speaking at Wired was probably like, it was definitely the highlight of that. Absolutely. But I did my own little podcast on my journey to Wired. I've been writing more. I've been super active at work with all kinds of things we've got going on and with different clients that we're working with. And I, I was completely caught off guard one day when my my boss looked at me and we have this great relationship and he said to me he's like are you okay and I'm like yeah automatic answer yeah I'm okay <laughs> are you sure because right now you're talking to me about like everything's black and white like everything's impossible like it's only this or that where's the possible oh, yeah. wow yeah and I was just like oh huh what do you mean and so he replayed back to me the conversation we had just had and I was like, I was blown away. Um, he was right. I was. It was this or that. Where's the possibility? Where's the where's the creativity? Where's that? And I so couldn't. Had you just answer. overloaded yourself too much? Do you think? Is that so? That's what I did. Is I took I took some time to think about it. <laughs> I did my journaling because I do a lot of journaling, and that's what I realized. I was exhausted. I was completely exhausted from everything I had been doing. And I was no longer able to kind of fuel that intentionality that I talked about. Uh -huh. That being those decisions that I was taking, I wasn't even aware that I had stopped taking them. Interesting. The power of having a white space. Yeah, that's it. And I needed the people around me also, because that's like the power of having good people around you 
to kind of help you remember those guideposts is very beneficial. Right. Melissa, this has been such an amazing conversation. If there was just what, like one thing that you would like to offer to my listeners as a piece of advice on the benefit of knowing your why, what would you tell them? Before I did the work, I never understood the difference that it could make in my life. And it opened up these doors inside of me that I never thought were possible. Like I never even knew they existed. That understanding of myself brought this intention, this clarity, and this peace into my life that now I can like look at things in a completely different way. And it explains so much of things I've gone through and decisions I've taken in the past, but now I have the words to articulate it. So the, the, the understanding, the sense of self, the power that it's given me to embrace who I am is probably the best gift I could have ever given myself. That's powerful. I'm glad that you did take that time to give yourself that gift. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation and for sharing all that you did. I really appreciate it. You've inspired me to dig into my why a little bit more. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share it with others because that's it. That's the life of service, right? Is to help others help to realize their own goals and objectives and ambitions and dreams. Exactly. I hope you've enjoyed that conversation with Melissa. And even though she's just recently put words to her purpose, she has been able to identify the way that that purpose has been alive and thriving in her at different times during her life, and also been able to see when it wasn't alive and thriving, when it wasn't being fed and nurtured in the way that it needed to be. The impact on her life was so significant. The key things that I took away from our conversation was her identifying the guideposts. I call them boundaries or bumpers. She called them guideposts, but they're really there to help us identify when we're starting to stray off path and nudge us back to where we need to be so that we are working and doing in line with our own purpose. The second thing was that it's created opportunities or allowed herself to open up to opportunities that she had been hesitant to or maybe even avoided before. Remember, she said she was hesitant to consider herself a leader and she'd put down on a five-year goal list that she wanted to start publicly speaking. She allowed herself to welcome those things into her life with that understanding of purpose. The third thing was how she is now allowing herself to lean into the idea of being more of a servant leader in a more meaningful and impactful way. Not only through the work that she's doing, creating cultures and environments for success and opportunity and possibility within call centers, but just in her home life, how she's raising her children, encouraging them to believe that there's always a possibility that something can happen. And then the last point that I wanted to remind you of, as she said at the beginning of her story, when she recounted how she had been in a really tough work environment and she'd lost her spark for the work that she was doing and that she found out after it had gotten too far that she was suffering from depression and burnout and anxiety, it was reconnecting and defining her purpose, putting words to it that helped her come through with all that. Yes, it was through the help of medical professionals and psychologists and other means and her friends and her family, but ultimately 
they all helped guide her back to defining that purpose for herself. And that to me was just really, was really eye-opening how significant our purpose can be in our lives. I want to tell you that it has been my goal since starting this podcast to have people on like Melissa, to have conversations with people who are in touch with their purpose and that they're living their purpose. It is what drives them and guides them throughout their daily lives. And one way that I've started to do that is I made a crazy post on LinkedIn and asked, said exactly that. I'm looking for people who fit this description, not this description because I'm finding them easily. I need somebody who's living their purpose, that have people following them because of how purposeful they are in lives. And I have a list. I have a, a pretty robust list now that I'm working through and I'm reaching out and talking to people and figuring out, are they really the fit that I'm looking for? And I'm excited about a lot of the names that are on there and what I'm learning about these people. And so I am very hopeful and optimistic that you will hear many more stories like Melissa's in the coming year on the pursuit of purpose. So I'm excited to be able to share that with you. So to just wrap this up, if there is anything that I can do to help you understand how purpose works in your life, in your business, in developing your personal brand or your business's brand, please don't hesitate to send me an email or reach out to me via my website or LinkedIn or my Facebook page. I'm happy to try and do anything that I can to be able to help you define that, whether it's through tools, whether it's through doing a one-on-one -on -one consult. There's a variety of ways that I can help you out on that front. So Again, don't hesitate to reach out to me. It's part of what I truly enjoy doing. It's part of my purpose. And I hope that you are living a purposeful and intentional life. Enjoy the week. I'll be back next week with another new episode. And until then, be in pursuit of your purpose. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.